dismantling systemic oppression, strengthening local economies, fostering equity and inclusion, cultivating communities for social good. We are motivated to leave the world a more just and compassionate place than we found it. A lofty goal? Maybe. An unreachable goal? Absolutely not. This is the Impact Out Loud podcast, powered by Prospera Partners. Now here are your hosts. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Impact Out Loud. I'm Vicki Pazabon and Eileen Everett is here today with me. Hi, Eileen. How are you? I am doing great today. I'm enjoying the change of seasons and all that comes with that. How are you doing today? Good. I am learning to transition into fall. It's not my favorite transition. <laughs> I'm a warm weather person, but it's good. It's good to have a lot of rain for sure. And it's also good that we have an amazing guest with us today. So we will introduce you to our friend and client and overall good human. Kim Brown is here, who is the executive director, CEO. I'm not sure which one is your title. We have to figure that out. Of <laughs> Girls Incorporated of Santa Fe. So welcome, Kim. It's so nice to have you here. Hey, thanks for having me. It's technically CEO, but I often say just director because <laughs> it, it does matter what space I'm in. So yeah, technically CEO. That makes sense. Well, thank you for having me here. It's going to be great. Yeah, we're excited to talk with you because it's always really good to talk with you about all sorts of things in not just the nonprofit sector, but in the youth space that you're working in and equity work that you all are doing to really make sure that the youth are supported. So we're going to talk about all of that today. So give us a little background on Girls Inc. and your history with Girls Inc. Well, thanks. Girls Inc. of Santa Fe is a affiliate of a national organization. We have our own board and 501c3 here in New Mexico. We've been around for almost 70 years, which is kind of crazy, 1955, and formerly known as the Girls Clubs when the Boys Clubs and the Girls Clubs were two separate organizations. And the Boys Clubs started taking girls, so they changed their name and we changed our name to Girls Incorporated. Obviously, the programs that we do are not the same programs we did in the 50s. That would be really nuts if we were still doing baking and sewing and cooking. And although I don't know, some of those skills I probably could use right now. But um, so obviously, like our programs have changed with the times and our missions inspiring all girls to be strong, smart and bold. And we believe that to be healthy, educated and independent. So we give girls opportunities to learn new things, take on new challenges. And we like them to have, um, I don't know, positive risk taking and so they can kind of learn from their experiences and apply that to life. We serve about a thousand girls annually, and I think we're going to be creeping up at like 1300 this year, which is fabulous. And we're always full and on a wait list and the need in New Mexico is really great. So we are working to kind of expand our programs as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does that look like in New Mexico? Like what is, what does the work look like in terms of expanding? Yeah, so we do our programs right now at our center, as well as out in the school as part of the school day. And right now, I think on a weekly basis, we're serving about 400 girls in the schools and about 75 girls at our center. We have extreme capacity problems at our center. We filled up in four minutes for summer camp. Four minutes? Four minutes. All the parents describe it like it's concert tickets. They're like, we sit by the computer and keep hitting refresh until it comes up. You and know, fill it out as quickly, and as, possible as, quickly and as possible press and press enter. Yeah, it's pretty intense. And um, 
yeah, we filled up in four minutes. And in 15 minutes, we had a, a whole enough girls to fill a second summer camp and then still be on a wait list. So this year was the first time we filled up after school in about 10 minutes. So that was also pretty intense. So yeah, for expansion for us, we definitely need to uh, be considering facilities and what that might look for us because we do provide care at the same time as we provide our impactful programs. So that time when parents are working and their kids are out of school, we provide a place for them to be that's safe and educational and supportive. And then our expansion out into the schools and back into some of the Pueblos and the surrounding areas Española. And so, you know, we want to do a really good job in the surrounding areas of northern New Mexico. And, you know, my dream, I guess, would be that we were Girls Inc. of New Mexico instead of Girls Inc. of Santa Fe one of these days. Mm. Yeah, it's a good dream. Kim, I'm wondering if you can tell some of our audience members who maybe haven't had direct experience working with youth, some of the similarities and differences of what it means to support youth in schools versus out-of-school time, after-school, and summer programs. Can you maybe share a little bit more context for those who haven't had that experience? Yeah, absolutely. At our center, you know, we're out-of-school time, so it's after-school, summer camp, spring break camp, evening and weekend programs. We do a lot of family-strengthening programs. We're able to build relationships with families really strongly because they're dropping off their girls. And a new kind of initiative we have this school year is to do a lot of family-strengthening activities like our program Growing Together, which takes a trusted adult and a young person and talks through sex and sexuality and opens those lines of communication. Because if you can communicate with your young person in your life about sex and sexuality, you can communicate about anything. So at the center, the girls get 300 or more hours per year. So it's a really impactful, in-depth program, um, a lot of different experiences. And those girls also stay with us for four or five years. So on average, it's about four years. Some of them stay with us for eight or nine years because we start at age five and go all the way up to 18 at our center. In the schools, we start a little bit older. So it's about nine years old, right? When they're starting to developmentally move from, you know, their parent units as their points of information to other outwardly and looking outwardly and how they relate to the outward world. And that's really important because they're looking for mentors, positive relationships with peers, things like that. So we stay with them during those transitional times. So at a school, like at one of the middle schools here, we serve six groups of girls of 15 to 20 each. So we're able to kind of make this impact on the school culture and how girls relate with one another and what they consider to be a good friend and how they deal with conflict. And we hear from the teachers and the principals that girls are more attentive, they get better grades, they come to school more often when they're participating in our programs. And they're always saying, you know, they know when they see a girls ain't girl. Now, the the flip side is we only get to see them about 50 hours of a school year because they are in school and we can't see them 300 hours when they're in school. And so the program kind of scratches the surfaces of what we could do at our center. But we do see the same girls every week and through the whole school year. And some of them do stay with us for four or five years as they grow. So some of the girls that were in sixth grade are now in 10th or 11th grade because we've been doing that program for about five or six years. So yeah, I think it's all impactful, but it's just a different type of impact, I guess. Mm -hmm. Well, some of you who've been listening for a while know that we do a lot of strategic planning work and we do community convenings as sort of the focus point of strategic planning work. And that is why 
Kim is here today to talk to us about that work because, Kim, you came to us, it's been a couple of years now, unbelievably. I know, where does time go? I keep saying, you know, yesterday in 2019, so. Right? (laughs) (laughs) We just did that back in 2016. Right. Yeah. So um, when you came to us for some strategic planning work to think about the future of Girls, Inc., you really said, I want to center the girls. I don't want to center the organization in this process. We really want to think about how our work impacts the girls, but how are they really centered in all of the work that we do? So walk us through that process and why you came to that decision and what that looked like. Yeah, I think we forget as nonprofit workers that we're not here just for our mission. We're here to improve community. And so the center isn't always us, right? The center isn't the nonprofit. And I think, I don't know, a lot of nonprofits and a lot of nonprofit leaders spend a lot of time thinking about what their organization needs rather than saying, what does the community need for my organization to be doing? And so when we were looking towards moving forward with our strategic planning process, I didn't want the center of what the discussion was to be what staff or the board thought we should be doing. I thought I really wanted the center to be the girls and what they need. So, you know, I was really thrilled to work with you all on that process. And I think you guys really helped us kind of take that idea and really run with it because that was what you guys were already doing. So it was just a perfect alignment. I'm wondering if you can maybe expand a little bit for those who didn't have a chance to engage in the process with Girls, Inc. for community-centered or girl-centered strategic planning. Can you share a little bit more around how, I guess the framing I keep thinking about is when I hear a lot of people in the world talk about centering youth, a lot of the processes are focused on picking a handful of youth and putting them on an advisory committee. And often the youth that get selected to participate in things like that or in a stakeholder group are the youth that aren't necessarily the ones that we want to actually reach that are a little bit further away from the opportunities. And you took a very different approach of how do you really collect as many different voices from girls and youth as possible? Can you just tell our audience a little bit more about that approach of, because it is a little bit about power. And so often what happens is, again, even when people look to youth and youth voice, it tends to be just a small group and you took a much broader approach. So can you share a little bit more about that and maybe the why behind that? As part of all of our groups that we were serving at the time, so I think we had like 200 or 250 young people participate. And when we say girl, we really mean like anybody that really wants to participate in our programs, girls or non-binary folks, or I don't know, anybody that really wants to participate in our programs. And so we worked with probably about 200, 250 youth, and we ran in through some activities. And first we trained the staff on how to have these conversations. And it was really based on kind of some of the things you guys developed of you know, what do young people want adults to know? What do they feel like are the opportunities they're missing? And really kind of highlighted and gathered all this information from facilitators that were leading these activities. And then we also took the materials that they did. So some of them did, I don't know, was it flags? Some of them did mandalas. They did all kinds of different activities. And then we brought all the information back to you all and you kind of distilled what that was that we would learn from that. Um, We also did parent surveys, some girls participated in surveys, and we did several sessions of community convening, which was really impactful to learn from the community. I also thought it was interesting that in the community convenings, 
that not everybody had the same understanding of what it even meant to center youth, right? Like that was like a really, I remember like our first one, it was so interesting that all the adults could not wrap their head around that right. they might yeah. not necessarily yep. be the center. And they were like, what does it even mean to center youth? Right. And uh, I don't know, I actually use centering all the time in my language now, like, well, you could make that decision, but that's centering that rather than centering this. So, yeah. 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 I remember that session too. And I remember thinking, this is an interesting shared learning moment for the adults, but also for all of us in the process too, because, you know, sometimes we come into it and we know what we're talking about, right? As facilitators and consultants. And we're like, yeah, just do it this way. But it was a real moment of like, oh, well, let's take a step back for a moment here and have that conversation. Cause we did not know that that was going to come up. Yeah, no, I think it's, you know what you know, but then you don't know. Right. And I loved some of the comments that we got from the folks that were in the room. And just to clarify, that particular community convening was open to anyone who was interested. Yeah. So we had some folks show up who were, you know, grandparents who said, I just kind of want to know how to talk to and hang out with young people. Right. (laughs) Right. So there was a real learning. And the comments afterwards were about, wow, I really, truly learned something that I can do and implement today. Right. Which was really great. Yeah, and I think it was great because we were there to learn from them, right? We were asking them yes. a lot of questions and trying to take stuff away, but there was also like the shared learning moment of the adults. And there was a lot of people there that we've never engaged with. So they were new people from the community there to learn and, and share with us. So that was wonderful. I think it also is a demonstration of how community-centered can mean so many different things. Because the work that we all did together was focused on centering young voices, which those of us, again, who have had that experience of engaging directly with youth, I mean, youth know what's up. They know what they want, what they need. It's giving them the space and platform to be able to to voice that. And on the flip side, adults being able to actively listen and take that information in. So yeah, I definitely remember that feeling in the room of adults. At first, some hesitation around, wait a minute, what about what I think. And it was like, (laughs) no, it's what these voices think. And it's our reflection as adults on, you know, what are we really hearing? And I also really want to commend you all, Kim, at Girls Inc. of it was so great that we didn't have to be translators of the information from the young voices. The way, as you described it, it was like pendants and mandalas and drawings and words and all different things that the girls and and other youth voices shared. We just put those up around the room. It wasn't us saying, okay, we filtered and now we've distilled this down and here's our interpretation. That's not what happened. It was, here's youth voice without depending upon youth being in the room at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. We did this whole session in May of this year where we called it the State of the Youth. And we had a panel discussion with about six youth from our Leadership Out Loud program, which is, you know, LOL, which is hilarious. And that program focused throughout the school year with teenagers over at a high school. And they focused on what is power, how do power dynamics reach, how do they interact with them in their lives And then they talked about what issues they face and who are the stakeholders in those issues and then how can they make change. And in the end, the girls then really wanted to use their voice to have adults listen to them. And even in the New Mexican, they put together an article that was all about girls wanting to be heard. And I think that's young people right now do want to be heard. Everybody talks about the future generation and I feel like they are today's generation and they 
should be who we're, you know, centering in discussions. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting to see how your organization has always centered youth, but continues to, because there's so many youth-focused organizations that the programmatic staff is always out there out front talking about what's going on and sharing the knowledge and sharing the, the learnings. And you all don't shy away from having the girls or the participants in the programs share that, right? They're asked to talk to folks in public. It's part of their development and growth is to sort of be in public and learn advocacy and and to be out there. Like you guys are taking them to our state house to really participate in legislation. What does that look like? It's an interesting dynamic for me as a leader, to be honest, because so many people expect to hear from me, but they really want to hear right. from the girls. And so at certain rallies or certain discussions, I let the girls speak and let them use their voices. And of course, we make sure that they have the tools and they feel comfortable doing it. And that's the girls that want to be out front and speaking. But I think it's more important for me to kind of give the ladder up to the next generation and have them have a moment to be heard and have adults have a moment to listen. I feel like so many of us as adults don't spend enough time listening to young people. And if we could just quiet our voices a little bit, the world, I don't know, the world might be a little bit better of a place. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's also worth naming that power dynamic piece of it doesn't just apply to young people, but what it means for us as leaders when we're invited into the room and we actually say, here's actually someone who is a better fit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or, okay, you've handed me the mic, but I'm going to actually not say anything and use the power to hand the mic to someone else. Yeah. Right now, who normally doesn't ever get past the mic. I don't think we talk about that enough. We don't. We absolutely don't. I think that's really important as leaders, and especially, you know, as a white woman, I've struggled with how can I lead this organization in the best way possible. And I think that's exactly my role is to be sure that I'm uplifting voices that might not have the same platform as I've been granted in this moment. And how can I kind of step aside and say, hey, everybody listen to this person. <laughs> They're smarter and stronger and bolder than I am. And they deserve and should have the platform when so freely it's given to me. So, yeah. Well, that is a great segue for our part two discussion we're going to have with you because we just have always thought of you as such a great leader in so many ways, not just how you embody leadership, but how you also share leadership and what that looks like for you personally and for the organization and for the work. So we're going to dig into leadership with you in part two. But before we go, we like to wrap up our segments with a little thing called WTF or AHA. So do you have a, do you have a WTF or an aha moment about your organizational process that you went through? With you all, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. And where you are now, because we actually didn't talk about that piece of it, but I'm curious. It's interesting because when we started talking about doing this different type of strategic planning, I kind of pitched it to my board and my staff and everything else. They were like, oh, I'm in, let's start this process. And a few months in, when we were already working on strategic planning, I had a couple board members kind of say to me on the side, so when are we getting started with the strategic planning process? <laughs> and I was like, Not well, a surprise to us. Yeah, yeah, I was like, well, we've started and there's things going on that you can participate in as a board member and community member. And so some of them did. But I will say that, you know, in the end, 
I guess my WTF, which I, of course, just want to say it moment was that there was, you know, at least one board member that was like, I wanted to be the one that's making these decisions. And she's no longer on our board. And that's great because she wasn't a good fit for our organization. So yeah, there's that's a true what the fuck moment. So I'll say it for you. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I thought maybe we weren't allowed to say that on this podcast. You're but. very welcome to say all the things on this podcast. We don't hold back. You know us. You know we don't hold back. Eileen, what's your aha or what the fuck moment working with our friend Kim? Oh my gosh, I feel like I've I just need to name two WTF moments: one from working with Kim, and then one from today's podcast. And I think. The one from working with Girls Inc. and Kim and her team is that going back to why can't adults just sit back and listen? Again, (laughs) young people, they are our future. Mm -hmm. They are amazing problem solvers and have good solutions. And if we can just, as adults, take a moment, take a breath and listen, the world would be a different place. And I also just need to name a WTF moment from this podcast, which is, Vicky, what's up with not liking the transition to fall? Fall <laughs> right? is so cozy that and amazing. That's my favorite, that's my favorite season. I'm so I'm glad you called her out for and that. And we've that's... got to like, we have to just mark that. We're not going to let that one slide. Okay. Isn't it fall most of the year in Canada? You I mean, just come on. totally I mean, called me out. It's, it is. I don't understand. Okay. It's okay. a okay. weather. It's fire weather. This is the great thing. We're all different. We have different preferences, but I'm a little like, falls are amazing. It's okay if Vicky's preference is wrong, though. So That's That's true. true. I think you're outnumbered today, Vicky. And so, Vicky, what's your WTF or AHA? (laughs) Well, my WTF moment is um, thanks for being my friends and calling me out. Um, (laughs) We'll send you extra blankets so you can be nice and warm and extra cozy. (laughs) That is part of what I need. I have terrible circulation. I don't like to be cold. So it's not an easy transition bodily. And I don't like losing light. I love sunshine. I love that it's sunny for 12 plus hours a day. I should what probably... candles are for, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Vicky needs one of those happy lights to put at her desk so she can yes. bask in a happy light. And then she needs pocket warmers for her I do. I, sweaters. And yes. Wrap, I was wearing a scarf yesterday and I got called out for it. So I was like, oh, I am cold. <laughs> and it was like 65 degrees. Anyway, my aha moment, though, about working with you all at Girls Inc. is that there is an ease to what you do. I mean, it's not easy work, for sure. But you have a culture of ease. And working with you all was good and hard, but there was an ease to it. You know, there was a, yes, let's do it. Let's let's make this happen. There was a real buy-in all the way around. And not just from board, but also from staff and staff all the way from leadership to those that are facilitators in the programs who had no connection to us whatsoever. But they bought into doing that work. And that was exciting for us. And there are so many organizations that we have worked with over 11, almost 12 years now that go through a process and don't do the implementation. They don't do the follow-up. Their plan just kind of sits And they ignore it because it's hard. It's hard to implement new things. Or one of the things that we did with you all was say, you know, maybe you don't really need to do anything new. Maybe what you're doing is great. And there's some things that need some updating, tweaking, some, you know, 
spotlight or whatever, a lot of organizations think that they have to have the shiny new thing. We talked a lot about that, right? Like the shiny new thing. Board members love the shiny new thing to get on board with. And so I love that there was an ease in all of those conversations. So I just wanted to reflect that back to you. And I think also that like kind of leads into our next segment around power, because that's that's because we kind of um, have somewhat of a shared power model and the team at Girls Inc. all feel like their voice matters. And I think that's so important in this work. Yeah. Well, let's leave it there for now so folks can ruminate on all of that and why I don't like fall. And then we'll get into (laughs) our next segment and I will show some more leadership skills by transitioning happily into fall (laughs) next time we talk. All right. Thank you so much, Kim. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Impact Out Loud podcast, the podcast that empowers bold impact for good, powered by Prospera Partners. If you liked what you heard, subscribe to Impact Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and follow Prospera Partners on your favorite social media. If you are inspired to make community-based solutions and systems change, Prospera Partners offers workshops and programs that are open to all. For more information, visit prosperapartners.org. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, be well and do good.